Hello, you are about to listen to another episode of Beyond Clean, a podcast where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. I am your host, Dave Thompson. Yes, we are in Season 4. We broadcast out of Orlando, Florida. This is where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. We would love to have you on the show, so reach out to me, D. Thompson at academyofcleaning.com or at 888-999-6059. Be sure to listen to our live streaming that we will be doing this year on Podbean. Now, for today's show, let's get started. I'm going to take a little bit of a break and uh, quit talking for a little while. I've been talking pretty much for three hours now. You're probably a little bit tired of listening to me. I have a certain disposition of being a little loud. And as I saw somebody earlier uh, said, preach on, brother. And I'm like, okay, I've got a little preachy this afternoon, apparently. Uh, I have a tendency to do that. I'm a little passionate about this subject. Um, Daryl Hicks is on the screen with me, live and in person. Daryl, thank you very much. Oh, Dave. Daryl is the author of Infection Prevention for Dummies. Daryl and I have been working together for, I don't know, I want to say 10 years. I don't know if it's been 10 years, but who's counting, huh? Is that dog years or? Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, we're both a little long, long in the tooth. <laughs> yeah, a little long in the tooth. That's what you're trying to say. You understand we both have the white beards going, yep. a little different. Uh, the one thing that we both are, we're both passionate about infection prevention. Daryl is also the co-author of our Certified Environmental Services Technician course here at the Academy of Cleaning Excellence. It is uh, designed and developed specifically for the healthcare industry. So if you are on the line and you're moving into any of the healthcare orientated facilities or doing cleaning for them, or you know someone that is, uh, we would say that pair this class today and the way we've designed this as basically an introduction to infection prevention for any facility that you work in. If you take this class and then move into the CEST class, the two of them together will give you a very good um, overall certification and knowledge with these two certifications to go into any healthcare environment. I had this question a little bit before we came on the air today over the last week while people were registering. So I wanted to take this time to explain to those that are on with us this afternoon, uh, pair these two courses together, go into a healthcare facility, present your two certificates, and I would think you would be more than understanding of the proper, pro proper protocols and techniques that you should employ. Daryl? I'm going to let you take it away. I'm going to control this for you a little bit. I am going to readjust some cameras. You won't see me on the screen, folks, because after our two next presenters get through, I'm going to do a little live presentation for you. So, Daryl? Thanks, Dave. One of the things that, uh, you know, beyond, you know, has been around a long time, and um, I have a personal story about why I even wrote um, the infection. The first book was called Infection Control for Dummies, and then the, the second edition changed to Infection Prevention because I believe that we should be about preventing uh, infections from happening in the first place. But whenever I wrote the book back in 2008, um, I was asked to do so. And uh, I took that challenge on because uh, my family, uh, my daughter-in-law at the time was 37 years old and uh, a fitness freak, and she, mother of three kids, and she was spending a lot of time in the fitness center because she was training for an Iron Woman competition, and uh, she, uh, while working out in the gym, had gotten an infection between her thumb and her first finger and um, turns out it was MRSA and uh, within eight weeks she was dead and left my son with three kids, the youngest being 16 months old at the time. 
So it's not just in hospitals. This MRSA uh, is out in the community. They have found it at beaches in the beach sand. They found it in movie theaters. They find it practically everywhere. But um, you see the, uh, the picture here of what it looks like once it gets onto the skin. And um, in my daughter-in-law's case, it got into her bloodstream and became a bloodstream infection, went to her heart, and uh, she eventually succumbed to, uh, to that infection. But uh, so this is personal, and uh, I wrote the book because I believe that if we do a better job, a more thorough job of cleaning and disinfection, then we can save lives. In my case, uh, my daughter-in-law would be here and my grandchildren would have their mother. So anyway, everyone uh, needs to be very concerned about some of these uh, pathogenic organisms. Uh, the MRSA probably kills uh, between 20 and 30,000 Americans every year. And uh, so, it's something that is on surfaces and uh, is not airborne like the COVID-19 we've been talking about, but it's from uh, contaminated fomites, as David calls them correctly. So um, when you, there's a hospital acquired uh, MRSA and that was the one that everyone thought was the only one, but uh, my, daughter-in-law got it from a community associate C-A-M-R-S-A uh, uh, but it's real and uh, it's caused a lot of uh, some people who get get MRSA wind up losing a limb um, one of the the place kickers for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers probably about eight years ago lost half of his foot uh, due to MRSA and guess what he's no longer a place kicker uh, but that happened from the uh, the training facility so we have this MRSA uh, you hear about it in colleges high schools but it's real and we need to be aware of uh, cleaning a disinfection and using a disinfectant that has a MRSA claim on it Colonized MRSA, CDC says that uh, what causes it uh, is crowding. You'll see it in, um, you know, prisons and uh, college dorms. So wherever there's crowding, people living close, uh, closely together, contact, free, frequent skin to skin. Uh, it usually happens because of cuts or abrasions in your skin. Uh, they found out that high school uh, male athletes were actually, when they were showering together in gang showers, they were sharing razors. Uh, you know, you shave my back, I'll shave your back. And sharing razors and uh, contracted MRSA from that cut in their, in their skin. Could be contaminated. Uh, I am sharing of things such as, uh, like I said, razors or uh, something that would uh, get into a cut or a scrape. And it's generally because of the lack of cleanliness. Think about uh, locker rooms and um, you know how how <laughs> infrequently they're getting cleaned and disinfected appropriately. When MRSA skin infections occur, cleaning and disinfection should be performed on surfaces that are likely to contact uncovered or poorly covered um, infections. But um, so this is uh, one of those things that we need to be aware of and you can break that chain of infection with MRSA going from one person to the next if you do it correctly. It's always important to read the instructions as a male. I know uh, that is one of the things I hate to do is read instructions, but uh, I think I'm with probably 79% of the other people out there that they don't read the instructions, especially when it comes to uh, cleaning and disinfection products. But uh, 
make sure that you know what's on that label and that you're communicating it, educating your staff as far as what they need to know as far as using that disinfectant. Cleaning surfaces with detergent-based cleaners followed by EPA-registered disinfectants is, an effective, is effective at removing MRSA from environmental surfaces. And people think that this takes a long time to clean first and then disinfect. Remember that cleaning product doesn't have a dwell time. And so when you clean something, I recommend rinsing it quickly and then drying it before applying your disinfectant. And then allow the disinfectant to air dry. There's at least 14 scientific studies that say that a disinfectant applied to a pre-cleaned surface, you don't need to follow the dwell time on the label. Um, it's a legal document, so whenever you're ever asked about contact time or dwell time, you always read the label and you point to it and it says right here, two minutes. But I'm telling you that within 30 seconds that on a pre-cleaned surface, whether it's quats, um, chlorine-based, uh, bleach-based disinfectants, or phenolics, all three reach their peak kill time after 30 seconds. These uh, contact times are for registering that product. They're not real world. So if you're re-wetting surfaces with disinfectant to get three-minute contact time or five minutes, whatever your label says, then that's the, the time that could be used to pre-clean the surface, rinse it quickly, and dry it, and then apply the disinfectant and go on about your work. Disinfectants MRSA, use a healthcare-grade disinfectant against MRSA, read the label, how to apply, contact time, I just talked about that, clean first, and I want to get rid of this term when visibly soiled because visibly soiled, uh, if it was C. diff, the, the size of the head of a pen on a surface is enough infective material right there to infect a person that would pick that up on their hands. And C. diff is one of those things that is from fecal to oral. So you pick up that drop of uh, fecal matter uh, that wasn't clean because it wasn't visibly soiled and you touch your mouth and then that's how C. diff gets transferred from that surface to your mouth. So I want to get rid of the term uh, <laughs> when visibly soiled and just pre-clean everything. Facility disinfectants. So we've got a little video here about um, how C or this is about MRSA, right, Dave? Well, basically any stuff. Okay. Okay, so let's watch watch the video. Airborne pathogens in hospitals can have a profound impact on health. Recent studies have shown that pathogens like C. diff and MRSA can travel a surprising distance through the air. These infectious aerosols can be spread in a variety of ways. Large droplets get carried over 20 feet away at a velocity of 111 miles per hour during a sneeze, and even three feet away at two miles per hour just by breathing. So the simple act of breathing and walking can create an air turbulence to help spread aerosols throughout a room quickly with a contagious patient. You may be surprised to learn that all of these bacteria and fungi have shown evidence of airborne transmission. In a study by the University of Leeds, C. diff was found in the air around 7 out of 10 symptomatic patients and on 69% of infrequently touched surfaces. Leaving the lid open during toilet flushing increases contamination as C. diff has been found on surrounding surfaces. Approximately one-third of people carry staph aureus and environmental contamination plays an important role in the transmission of MRSA. Smaller particles may remain airborne and travel around on air currents. Both MRSA and C. diff are hardy and can survive for months on surfaces. For information on the research data used in this video, There you go. It's just uh, that 
people shed these organisms. It's just a part of life. And um, wherever you do uh, dusting, if you looked at the dust under a microscope, you would see a lot of skin uh, flakes. And uh, so we're constantly shedding these organisms and gets carried in dust. And not in that video was uh, dust control. And Dave, you know, uh, vacuuming is more effective than dust mopping. Uh, but the, the fact is that dust gets carried on air currents and gets carried from room to room. And as you saw there, uh, that seven out of 10 rooms were uh, contaminated with staff. So there are no green disinfectants. It's uh, a federal law that a disinfectant cannot have more than one claim on it. So if it claims to be a disinfectant, and by nature, as Dave said earlier, disinfectants are pesticides. And so it's killing living organisms you cannot see. It's not like a a roach or a mouse or anything like that, but it is things that you cannot see and it's registered as a pesticide under the Federal Insecticide and Rodenticide Act. But anyway, they cannot have both a disinfectant and a green claim on there. But only green healthy processes, uh, not green disinfectants. Processing is what uh, Dave and I like to use because clean, clean or cleaning doesn't seem to uh, translate very well because cleaning is different for, uh, I heard him talk earlier about fit for purpose. And uh, so cleaning in a daycare center isn't the same as cleaning in an office. When you think about all the little, uh, grubby hands are touching things and touching their mouths and uh, it's more important to do proper uh, processing there and so what is clean described as clean doesn't really communicate but processing it's using the right product in the right place at the right time and the right way so it's a combination of those things using properly and wisely are designed to protect public health. When we're talking about disinfectants, use them properly and uh, judicious, judiciously, and that you don't need to disinfect everything everywhere, as Dave said. And uh, so EPA registration is there on the products label. And uh, if you ever want to look that up, then you can go on EPA's uh, disinfectant uh, website and you can look up that product. And uh, you'll see that that product, uh, the master label is 4822 and this is a sub label of 167. So, you know, manufacturers make the the product and then private label it for people. And so that's where you get the dash 167 number. But many EPA registered, registered products are toxic to both humans and animals and the environment. Touch points, Dave doesn't like that idea. So we'll call them fomites, but in this uh, gymnasium workout facility, they're everywhere. These points are not limited to doorknobs, toilet, urinal, sink, uh, push. You see the list there. They're not limited to that. Uh, wrestling mats were a big factor in uh, MRSA in high school athletes. And uh, so there you even see the tumbling mats, but those things uh, now schools have rules that, uh, you know, they have to be disinfected between each uh, match. Uh, so anyway, there are a lot of areas that uh, we need to get after with our uh, processing and using the right disinfectant the right way at the right time. And um, so, if you do the process correctly, we're gonna break the chain of infections. And this is a visual. Um, it's basic cleaning of the environmental surfaces. One of our key def defenses in the battle against coronavirus, you start up there at the top with the bug being coronavirus. Um, 
the hiding places, you know, how it gets out of, uh, out of the infected person, we've already said is through uh, coughing, sneezing, and getting uh, either, you know, if it's airborne, then this chain of infection doesn't really uh, translate very well. We're talking about surfaces here, but on those surfaces is hiding places for that bug, and uh, we need to get after those because that's one of our ways of breaking this chain. If you break that link uh, right there, that first link as we go clockwise around this circle, that first yellow link, if we have an opportunity right there through proper processing to break this link and that bug doesn't travel all the way over to the far left, um, the next sick person, you know. So it's got to have a way in and then it infects somebody. But we have opportunities there. The way out is through coughing. And then the getting around is on surfaces, those fomites, like you saw that patient being wheeled, uh, wheeled through the hospital and uh, shedding those organisms as they travel down the hallway. So that's the getting around and we have an opportunity to uh, break the chain there also. But the way in is through, uh, in our MRSA, it's through a cut or break in the skin and COVID-19, it's uh, touching a surface, then touching your mucous membrane, your eyes, your nose, or your mouth. And then you have the next sick, sick person and then the bug, the chain continues. But our job is to break that chain of infection so that we save lives and keep people out of hospitals, that's uh, our goal. Uh, COVID-19, uh, the Diamond Princess cruise ship in Japan that uh, housed 2,000 people and we had uh, people dying there as it was, the ship was not allowed to disembark there in Japan and so once it got everyone off, crew members, everybody, they waited for 17 days to go back into the ship. And before they started cleaning and disinfecting that ship, they tested surfaces and the COVID-19 was still alive on all the surfaces that they tested. So 17 days, you know, we're hearing three days, we're hearing nine days, seven days. Uh, this study actually showed 17 days. So we have the opportunity to break that chain of infection. It's necessary to increase decontamination frequencies in any 24-hour period. Um, once a day is not good enough. And so depending on the fit for purpose that Dave talked about earlier, you may need to increase that frequency. People say, where are we gonna get the time to do that uh, more frequent uh, cleaning of those fomites, disinfecting them. Um, the answer is it's gotta be additional resources because uh, the social distancing only gets us to a certain point, but then we have to do a proper and effective job of processing those fomite uh, laden surfaces. Environmental hygiene, um, When we talk about getting rid of the term cleaning, and this is one that I'm more in favor, favor of, and that's uh, hygienically clean. And so that, that translates better than cleaning because we think about cleaning, you know, you can wash your car and it's not the same as cleaning a, a clinic that's seen 30 patients go through there, most of them having uh, some symptoms that uh, could lead you to believe that COVID-19 is in those surfaces. So cleaning doesn't uh, translate very well into that environment. And so hygienically clean, how do we get there? Here's an acronym for you, W-A-S-T-E. So let's look at the W. And that is the workforce. That's the folks on the front line. Uh, I think that the celebrities and all the big names, uh, big name athletes, you know, we've flipped that pyramid upside down and those people that were at the top 
just aren't important anymore. And the people that are important are the people, the workforce on the front line doing the valuable job of saving lives. And um, so they're putting their own their own health and safety and that of their families at risk. And uh, so I applaud the workforce, but they need to be educated about the prevention and transmission of disease. That's why you're here today is so that you get educated that you in turn might educate them about the transmission of disease. And only when they're educated can they become trained. A lot of, they need to be educated, trained, a lot of the time necessary to, to do those assigned tasks and provide with the tools to enable scientific measuring, the ATP uh, measurement that we were talking about earlier, Dave, and that will get us to a hygienic cleanliness. The A is the area, and here you see a young lady that's cleaning in a, um, looks like a, um, maybe a treatment room in a doctor's office, but uh, she should be wearing gloves, but uh, she's got um, a sprayer, which Dave and I don't care about, but just think about the area, not what, uh, what she is doing, but the environment needs to be processed. This includes the type of surface and whether it's intact or not. Uh, a lot of surfaces are damaged because of the strong toxic disinfectants, corrosive disinfectants that we've been using on them for years. Uh, so it needs to be intact and it's along with the level and the type of contamination. So an office isn't gonna be as critical as that uh, exam room. Uh, metals like chrome, stainless steel can be damaged by some of the disinfectants and plastics have care warnings about don't use this uh, disinfectant on this plastic, but you need to follow the manufacturer's instructions for use. That uh, is usually on the label and they'll tell you what you can and shouldn't use that disinfectant on. But I'll tell you right now that all uh, disinfectants are going to leave a film on uh, hard surfaces and it's more visible on things like monitor screens, TV screens, and some glass. But if you ever disinfected a, a glass window, you'll see the, the film is very visible. That film uh, winds up being destructive to some surfaces. So the S is substance, so it's the chemical product and the process, whether cleaner or disinfectant. And I, you know, cleaning and disinfection isn't, um, aren't interchangeable terms. They are two separate steps, two separate, separate uh, parts of that process that we talked about earlier. So S is substance preventing microbes from getting a foothold by removing food and moisture. Two essentials for sustaining living organisms may live in the long-term, uh, may in the long-term be as effective as chemical disinfectant. So, you know, removing that food source, if we can remove it at 99.9% uh, .9 or 99.99% with a good uh, microdenure microfiber, then you're removing that food source and that may be as effective as disinfecting, depending on the fit for purpose. In fact, most disinfectants can't do their job when high levels of organic soil are in the way. And these, um, you know, one-step cleaners and disinfectants, I don't believe in them. I believe that we still need to do, and CDC and EPA, especially CDC right now with this coronavirus, is recommending cleaning and then disinfecting. Soils can absorb the active ingredient and disinfectants and provide more places for the virus to hide and change the chemical nature of the disinfectant. So soils um, are bad and need to be removed uh, prior to disinfection. So the T is a technique or process. We call it a process, but process cleaning and disinfecting an item or area utilizing a cleaning solution and facility approved EPA registered hospital grade disinfectant. I mean, you're not gonna talk about the, 
uh, you know, Bigfoot here, Daryl? <laughs> yeah, we did get a picture of Bigfoot. Uh, he was actually cleaning a doctor's office that uh, the doctor actually had COVID-19 and was not aware of uh, it at the time. So they had to shut the doctor's office down and go into a detailed deep cleaning, as they call it. But... Um, you know, wearing this level of protective equipment, I think, is um, not necessary. Um, but, you know, what we're looking at today is a lot of uh, myths. And uh, so, anyway, it's just uh, a picture of Bigfoot, I think. So the way that you process rooms is from the cleanest part of the room to the dirtiest. So in this case, you know, she is starting uh, high and, um, you know, that surface, you know, is probably less contaminated. This one that uh, the next lady is cleaning a, a wall underneath a windowsill uh, isn't really a it's not, it could be a fomite, but it's not going to be touched by hand, so uh, it's not a factor. Floors, I don't believe, are a factor either, um, but in this day and time with the dust carrying those particles, uh, dust removal is very important. So using a microfiber to clean that floor, process that floor is, uh, I think, prudent. And you need to get the stakeholders involved determining who processes this surface or equipment because some of those surfaces and equipment uh, are to be processed by someone other than the, uh, the cleaning professionals. Uh, so that's a shared responsibility and your staff needs to understand what they are responsible for and others need to uh, do their part in processing those surfaces. But working on a horizontal method, right to left or left to right, but uh, don't use a circular motion because it could be stirring up uh, some of that virus that's on the surface that uh, then your workers wind up breathing. So to do it uh, horizontally, backwards, forwards, uh, is the right way to process those surfaces. One of the things that we've recognized in some of the literature and some of the programs that are is out there, we are seeing this being a protocol with COVID especially because it is very easy to take this if it has it's if you're in a decontamination uh, high risk issue, if you then take and do this in a circular motion you can create an updraft and pull what virus is there back up into the respiratory. And understand folks, what we're talking about is we're wanting to make sure that that frontline person is taken care of and that they're protected. And of course, if they're doing this, they're the first one that's gonna be breathing it. And remember the mask that we're talking about, unless you're using an N95, is not going to filter the virus because it's small enough to go through the particulate mass. So this is the reason that if you're in a decontamination, like I think we had a, one of the people online earlier, Daryl, that said that, that he had been in a decontamination issue, this is where you want to make sure that you're really working the right way. So all of the processes and the tools and everything, but if you're going this away, you're doing it wrong. Well, we want to make sure that you understood that. This might be also good for any viruses. Here again, we're talking about stepping up our processes, Daryl, rather than just doing what we've been doing before. Yes. So this cold and flu season, uh, you know, the coronavirus, the frequency and processing surfaces or room, um, Rooms must be increased to improve hygienic outcomes. I think we've already talked about that. So E is the W-A-S-T-E. We're at the end of it. And uh, this is how we create hygienically clean surfaces is uh, a very key point of or piece of that hygienically cleaning process is the equipment the machines and tools used to accomplish outcomes. 
this includes everything from a microfiber wiper or pad, uh, scrubber, electrostatic application of disinfectants. And, re <laughs> you know, I think that uh, this, you know, the application devices, you start up there at the left, you have microfiber all the way down to, you know, uh, cleaning the vertical surfaces, processing those in restrooms. Uh, then we get into electrostatic spraying. Uh, you notice up in the upper right, we don't use spray makers because of atomizing that disinfectant that your employees wind up breathing. Uh, instead of a uh, spray maker, we advocate for a flip top bo uh, cap on that bottle so that you can squirt the disinfectant onto a surface or onto a cloth. Uh, I prefer doing it on a cloth. Uh, this is another way of applying uh, a coarse stream know that this isn't such this isn't like that spray maker that we showed earlier to not use this is uh, heavy droplets that can be applied to shower walls this is how we have used it is especially in bathroom and uh, if you have locker rooms and showers that's a great way of uh, applying your disinfectant here is a uh, Electrostatic, also, but it's no, this uh, is a fog. This is a fogger. Oh, sorry, Daryl. Okay, I threw I threw a new one in on you. Okay, I had not seen that one yet, but same uh, concept. And this one, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, is not electrostatic. Is no. sim simply saturating that whole environment in there. You know, the cabinet doors are open drawers are open so that disinfectant reaches a lot of different spaces, but this still is, um, this is a, this is a whole room fogger. So uh, you notice that there is no technician here. You do right. not do this when you're present. You will not be breathing whatever product is being sprayed uh, or fogged into us. So many people are asking at this time, should I be using one or another? These are all personal preferences to the protocol that your facility is, is dictating. These are all application devices. Some of the other ones, as Daryl mentioned, uh, this is one of your... Uh, Daryl, I, I mean, I, I think they must own stock in an ultra microfiber company somewhere. <laughs> the microdenier uh, cloth, I think it's time to bring some truth in, uh, in selling microfiber. It, this isn't the microfiber you buy at Walmart, uh, not to slam Walmart, but this isn't the 100 wipers for $20. You know, these are uh, more expensive, but they do a better job of collecting and trapping, holding it, and it doesn't get released until it's washed. But, you know, this is the microdenier microfiber that I'm talking about. And there's actually an organization that is going through and getting some truth in uh, claims of microfiber manufacturers. But um, here you see... Uh, well, this this is taking the microfiber and putting it on a pad and wiping surfaces. I have those right here behind me. We'll show those here in a moment. Uh, but this is another form of what we would consider no-touch cleaning and processing. Um, as Daryl said, you put your product of choice onto the wiper, put it on a pad, extend it, and, and this makes it easier and more serviceable. You've, you see many situations where we go into where these areas, people are only reaching so far because they can only get so far. Now we can extend the handle we can reach. You also have no-touch cleaning units that spray liquids out, volumes of this. They're not high pressure. They simply deliver it in a more uniform, uh, more... Uh, uh, Visible. Uh, it's visible and correct, I was trying to say. And then what you do is in these particular areas, you then come and remove all of those contaminants that are on the floor. And back to what Daryl said, do we really need to use a disinfectant on a floor? Um, uh, the verdict is out by a lot of people, but Daryl and I both believe it's not using a disinfectant on the floor. It's how much pH and physical removal back to the two principles of all cleaning. 
because as, as soon as somebody walks on that surface again, it's contaminated. A disinfectant used on a floor in most general situations, in other words, what we're saying here is remember fit for purpose. We are not advocating one thing for every surface that you go to. So back again to that. And then the last thing as Daryl mentioned is the use of electrostatic spraying technology. We have different uh, technologies that are being used, but these two, the, this electrostatic technology allows for the product to go onto that surface. In the case of electrostatic spraying and also the fogging, if you will, these surfaces have to be clean, pre-cleaned. I know that you've heard us say this more than once, probably so many times already, and we're not done yet, because this is our biggest message when it comes to the process. It is what we haven't been doing, and we have to start doing going forward. We're talking about ramping up our game and moving forward, Daryl. Yes, and uh, I love what you said earlier, and that is that we are uh, stepping up our game, and if we're going to get the respect uh, that we all yearn for, we're going to have to step up our game, become more professional in the way that we, uh, we educate ourselves, and that's why people are here today. But I'll, I'll get off and let Dave take Good over, question. Dave Ryman take over, but... Thank you for the opportunity to uh, join the class today. Daryl, before you go, I would like to open up the lines. Daryl is in healthcare, has been, he didn't tell you this, but he's uh, got a very extensive career in the healthcare field. He's also goes around and I, I don't, Daryl, you may not like this, but I'm gonna say, he goes around the United States and fixes hospitals. Uh, <laughs> When they're in trouble, they call Daryl to come and fix their EVS department. So you have an opportunity, folks. I'm going to open it up here. Ask Daryl a question while we've got him live on with us. Quick question I have is on all this um, hydro sprayer you got shown here and the ones I've been seeing on TV, no one is wearing PPE for disinfectant sprayers. Is this required? I depending on the size of the particles um, and particle size, you know, the larger droplets, um, Dave Ryman can address that more uh, succinctly, but it depends on the particle size. But uh, from my understanding, if you're using the right disinfectant and I wouldn't, you know, there are some uh, electrostatic sprayers out there that you cannot use uh, and be in the room at the same time and uh, so you have to educate yourself but you know the ones that I have dealt with uh, and the product that we're putting through there the disinfectant I'm a big fan of hypochlorous acid which is um, non-toxic non-corrosive uh, could be sprayed and um, you know it actually gets used for uh, treating wounds and uh, even gets used for eye salve. So hypochlorous acid is something you need to look into, but uh, you could breathe that stuff and um, with no effects. Uh, I wouldn't suggest that with other disinfectants because of that spray maker I talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. you, know, you wouldn't be able to, uh, to atomize other disinfectants, but just realize that electrostatic is uh, is putting a positive charge to that disinfectant, and it's seeking out the negative charge on that surface. All surfaces have a negative charge. This is putting a positive charge to it, so it's like magnets. It's not like free-floating uh, disinfectant. It uh, the spray itself is going to seek out a negative surface and uh, attach to that. So it's a it's an application device, just like the microfiber and the other things that Dave talked about earlier. But I, depending on the disinfectant, um, electrostatic, you may need to use PPE for. Thank you. Anyone else? Can you hear me? Yes. Hey, okay, so I see all these different kind of sprayer. 
Can I, um, we all know that the sprayer is very, very expensive now and it's in a back order. They were telling me it's like, I, I, I will not get my, my electro, electro, I can't pronounce it, sorry. Electrostatic? Until, yeah, electrostatic until June and I have to pay them $4,000 now. So I told them to, you know, go to whatever. Um, so can I use a sprayer that those uh, pest control are using and it is good for uh, different kinds of uh, disinfectant with the mist, uh, uh, you know, like the mist that's coming out. It's not like, like a hose, but I just saw in one of, it looks like one of this picture in the picture that you have here. The difference is, you know, the difference between the positive negative attraction and gravity. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you could apply it. And like I said, we use those, uh, like you call them garden sprayers. We yeah. use those in the restrooms to spray down the shower walls and the, the toilets, uh, uh, everything. And then we would, uh, you know, like Dave said, use a squeegee in the showers and mm -hmm. uh, remove that, that liquid. So, you know, the other thing with that uh, that spray maker that we showed earlier is the carpal tunnel and the OSHA repetitive motion, you know, of squeezing that trigger sprayer um, mm -hmm. is hard on people that do that for a living. So using a garden type sprayer can, uh, to, can alleviate some of that, but it's still going to leave uh, the surfaces wet and you'll need to go back and, uh, and, remove that wetness, you know, so that, you know, <laughs> for obvious reasons, you don't want to leave something soaking wet. Right, and, right. I understand. Thank you. Yeah. I've got a question. Um, is aqueous ozone a, a useful method of disinfecting? Yeah, I'm familiar with aqueous ozone. And, um, you know, so I've got a uh, kind of a, yin and yang with with uh, aqueous ozone and uh, at the same time the hydrochloric acid that I mentioned earlier. Uh, I like both of them and I think both of them, uh, you know, depending on the concentration of the aqueous ozone, um, you know, if you use it just as a good cleaner, it's a great cleaner. Wherever you are producing the hypochlorous acids, you're just using tap water. So it isn't a chemical until it goes through the, uh, the electrostatic, or I'm sorry, the um, electrolyzed water uh, process that uses salt. But um, it, uh, you know, people are having trouble getting disinfectants today. If you had one of these either aqueous ozone generators or uh, the electrolyzed water generator, you wouldn't have that concern. You would make, uh, and the uh, electro electrolyzed water instead of um, aqueous ozone, you know, it makes equal parts. 50% uh, of the what's produced is cleaner. The other 50% is disinfectant. And uh, so there you have equal parts of cleaners and disinfectants, and you can get rid of a lot of your cleaning products and just go with electrolyzed water. And, uh, uh, to the ladies' uh, point earlier, uh, electrostatic sprayers are hard to come by. Um, like a lot of businesses, they got caught uh, <laughs> kind of off guard with this virus, but don't think for a minute that this virus is going to go away quickly. And uh, we're being warned about it rebounding in uh, late summer, early fall. So if you have the opportunity to get your name on the list to get electrostatic sprayer, we may be seeing round two. Uh, even if we don't see round two of COVID, believe me, seasonal flu is going to be back every year, <laughs> just like it has for, for eons. But uh, anyway, be ready. Daryl, you make some very valid points, if I can, um, in the fact that on-site generation is what you're talking about. Yes. Where you can generate your products of choice 
And I think this is where we're having to look at stepping up our game and being different. Why were we caught off guard when we have the availability to have these types of units? We've been so stuck in the chemical mindset. Uh, understand engineered water system to, to talk to that is we always engineer water, the, the basic cleaning um, liquid of the universe. We have always engineered it to do what we want, whether we do it with chemistry or whether we do it with electricity. We are changing the basic principle of water to yes. do what we want it to do. It is all engineered water. How we engineer it is, is what we need to think about. We should be looking at different avenues. To your point, Daryl, it's not what we're doing today. My advice buy the $4,000 machine if that's the machine that you want, if that's your unit of choice. I'm not saying that. Get it now. You will continue to use it. You yes. need to have it in your arsenal. This issue will not go away. And just because COVID is here today, whether it comes back or not, you need to step up your game and do better than what we've been doing. Uh, David Ryman is going to come on here shortly. He'll talk more about this. Any other hospital-orientated questions for Daryl as we uh, finish with you? Well, hearing none, Dave, I thank you for the opportunity. And um, be safe out there, but uh, moreover, we need to make facilities safe for the inhabitants and um, your job has never been more important than it is today but um, keep learning and um, but learning isn't isn't going to get rid of this virus it's going to be the doing that uh, take this information that you get today and apply it so that uh, lives are saved thank you Daryl you're welcome